Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Janelli, and I was killed in War of the Spark while crying over Dak Faden getting stabbed in the back. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and I was killed in War of the Spark because I'm gay. So, you know, trope. I got buried. Damn, that one was dark. They can't all be happy endings. I'm Ashley Barrow, and I died in War of the Spark by something completely unrelated to the invasion. I just randomly got eaten by a worm. I'm Carrie Thomas, and I died in War of the Spark as part of a calculated plan when Jace knew that Obnixilus would betray him by killing me. <laughs> That's when Jace activated this power suit matrix. I can't remember what it's called. Stop it. <laughs> Titan engines? Yeah, the Titan engines. I just love Carrie's trolls using invasion and just like changing names around. And my favorite part is people who like remember invasion fondly are like getting mad at it. I'm like, <laughs> good. See, I don't like Carrie being the funny one on the show because I'm supposed to be the funny one, but I don't like talking out loud. So as Richard Dawkins would put on a shirt, we are all funny. Personally, I think that's part of the magic of this podcast is we're all the funny one. I'm the least funny one, though, I will say. I do agree. You're all way funnier than me. Well, you've got Arjun, and Arjun is hilarious. I'm the straight man, both, like, literally and for joke purposes. I feel bad because, while well, we're all pretty funny on this podcast. We still got outclassed to, like, the highest degree by the Lorgoifs last week, so... Oh my god, they're so good! Yeah, we got annihilated. Look, I'm I'm funny, I'm just not good at improv. Yeah, I think that's our weak point. We are a much more dry humor kind of podcast. We cannot do sketch comedy in any kind of way. Yeah. I feel a lot of <laughs> pressure when recording to not tell jokes, because that wastes time, and also to so that people will take me seriously, because... There's not really any other reason that you would take me seriously. I am so ready. Speaking of telling jokes wasting time, let's move on to our news this week. The first bit of news is War of the Spark preview season is ongoing. And this week we're going to mostly talk about uh, Act 1, the first week of preview season. But before we get to that, we have a few bits of news. Amazon created a listing. Uh, or there is a listing on Amazon for the next magic novel, which is War of the Spark Forsaken. Ooh, what could that mean? Then we also got on Sunday at PAX East the trailer for War of the Spark, which was, holy crap, so many emotions. Dak Faden appears in it and appears to be run through the back with a spear by an Eternal, and then have his spark sucked out of him uh, as part of Nicol Bolas's Elder Spell, which we also learned about on Sunday. It is the most viewed trailer on YouTube. I think it's a little frustrating for a lot of story fans who are plagued by Tefiri theories that he is going to somehow undo time and save Dak Faden and countless others. We don't know that for sure. I think walking back a trailer death as high profile as Dak Faden and like 4 million views, which is way more than any other trailer has gotten, is a challenge. So I'll be interested to see if anything happens with it, but I'm considering Dak Faden to be resting in pepperoni, as they say. Well, he is Italian, so that makes sense. Now, uh, this trailer's got nothing on the ice age promo trailer from 1995 but it was okay we will link to both trailers because the war of the spark trailer is really good it was number five trending on the entirety of youtube but the ice age one is really something (laughs) it is it's very mid 90s low budget it's an experience y'all should see it too i do think Ristic Studies Sam summed it up best to say Magic leveled up this weekend, and it was exciting to see both quality coverage for the Mythic Invitational and kind of 
um, despite some minor flaws, an overall good presentation, and at the same time, a trailer that is on the same level as a lot of Blizzard trailers and comparable franchises to MTG. It's exciting to see like actual animation in a magic trailer because I think while it might not be a permanent move going forward, it's a very refreshing change of beat for a story finale. Yeah, um, I liked it a lot. The animation was really subtle in Liliana's face, which is what you need it to be and what you need it to be to sell emotion, which the trailer did. They found the perfect song for it and a really good cover of um, In the End by Linkin Park. We'll link to the cover that's on YouTube also. Um, I forget the name of, of the artists who did it. It showed more than I thought it would. And it still showed so very little. I'm very excited for everyone to get the rest of this story. And, and it's very exciting to see how many people were inspired by, um, by the trailer to go look through the story to see how we got here. We had a lot of magic pros who were like, you know, I never really paid much attention to the story before. But after watching this trailer, I went and researched and this seems cool. Where can I find like some more research where can i read these stories so i know what's happening because that was awesome and that's like exactly what you want the trailer to do that's the point of the trailer i think yes aside from that though we did get a odd confirmation from mark rosewater that there will be cards set on at least one other plane in war of the spark the set which is met with a lot of speculation, yeah. And a lot of people have pointed out you can see Amun cut through the portal, which I think is kind of a cheap gimme. Um, but we also see, like, Ashiok's stained glass. We have yet to see the Ashiok Planeswalker card at this point, but in the background of the Ashiok art is a set of Bolas horns that a lot of people believe are the Meditation Realm, are identical to the ones he set up on Amun cut. Who knows what it is, but it'll be exciting. Maybe it's just an entirely unexpected plane, as some people on Reddit speculated. New Phyrexia could be coming to play. I do want to salute the brave souls who went into the thread and said Kamigawa, as if it would be <laughs> any more true. They are braver than any U.S. Marine, I think. Hi, I'm Brian Dawes, and I'm late. Yes, you are, but you have excuses, so it's okay. And you're lucky, because that means you didn't die in War of the Spark. It's true. All the rest of us died in War of the Spark. So let's move on to our topic of the week. Flavor Gems of War of the Spark, Act 1. So this week, and I should say we're only covering Act 1 up until Thursday. We will not be able to get Friday's previews in here because we record Thursday nights. That's all right, though. Next week, we'll cover whatever came out on Friday. So sorry if something super exciting came out. You'll just have to wait a week for us to talk about it. So let's start with the Act 1 spotlights that were revealed during the PAX panel. So the first one is Ignite the Beacon. So we've gotten hints of this beacon with things like Thousand Year Storm, uh, Steam Vents with that mysterious project under construction. And it turns out it is the Interplanar Beacon, which, as Ignite the Beacon seems to indicate, is summoning planeswalkers to Ravnica. Our second spotlight is No Escape, which we finally learn what the plan for the Immortal Sun was, because it's now hanging out in the Hallowed Fountain at the center of New Prov. You can actually see it in the heart for um, Hallowed Fountain from Ravnica Allegiance. Once all those planeswalkers got summoned to Ravnica, they don't get to leave. Then, Emergence Zone. In a masterpiece of petty, Nicol Bolas has uh, Tezzeret open the planar bridge right in the chamber of the Guild Pact, which is Jace's office, home, all that good stuff. <laughs> and just kind of splits it in half, uh, and the Eternals come marching out. Then our next one is the Dreadhorde Invasion. The 
uh, overall army of Eternals coming onto Ravnica is being referred to as the Dread Horde in this story. And we can see they're, they're messing stuff up. And then Ravnica at war at, with the Planeswalkers summoned, trapped, and the Eternals marching by their thousands out of Amonkhet. Ravnica is at war. Hence the name. I'm sure that will go very peaceably and professionally and will be a very limited war with minimal casualties on all sides. And then the last bit is God Pharaoh's statue with Nicol Bolas and his vanity creating a giant statue of himself to mark his victory a little bit early and maybe perhaps to draw some attention to him uh, to to it and rile some people up. His statue doesn't last forever, however, because we see in one of the basic lands that it has been toppled. Eventually. This statue reminds me of, like, if you know anything about NFL football or even college football, when the guy is running down the sideline or, like, running towards the end zone, and he drops the ball right in front of the end zone, and then, like, the touchdown doesn't count because the ball isn't there. This is what the statue feels like. He's showboating and doesn't finish. (laughs) this is just act one i don't think there's going to be another act one spotlight tomorrow there probably won't be because they didn't reveal any additional ones throughout the week we are on to act two because we have act two scene one scene two and scene three on the official story site it is just not cleanly divided into preview weeks because we kind of had a big unloading at pax east of the majority of Act 1. So, you know, Act 1 is planeswalkers are summoned, the planar bridge is open, the invasion begins. And then we'll see what Act 2 is next week. We also got a lot of very cool previews throughout the week. Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, is awesome. Uh, I really... <laughs> I've just taken apart a blue-black, uh, or my only artifact deck with blue-black in it, uh, because I already had two artifact decks, but now I want to rebuild it, because Tezzeret of the Master of the Bridge is so good! The art is great, with the Eternals flanking him on either side on what appears to be Amonkhet, and it just, it's the coolest looking card. There's not a whole lot else to say about it, though. And then Ajani the Great-Hearted is another great Planeswalker art we got this this week from victor adama minguez my favorite bit is that the only warrior keeping pace with a johnny is a little squirrel to his left <laughs> it's the cutest little thing like and a johnny just like rips off an eternal head and keeps running because sometimes we forget how terrifyingly strong a johnny is so arlen voice of the pack is interesting because we don't see her werewolf side here so she has very much wolf tribal, although I, I think it's nice that they included werewolves in it. So if you want to flavor her for a werewolf deck, you can still include this version. We also got Davriel, Rogue Shadow Mage, in this set from the Children of the Nameless story by Brandon Sanderson. There's like some kind of neat bits where Davriel's powers are kind of blocking out his name a little bit because he doesn't necessarily want you to know who he is. This is also the art we the mystery art we saw from the Children of the Nameless cover back when it was first put up on the website. We we were actually given this art photoshopped on top of the Children of the Nameless cover. So, now we finally see where it went. Now, I get to actually talk about the Wanderer cuz now you know who she is, sort of. She is a new character, a new planeswalker, whose card doesn't have a subtype, because we don't actually know her name. She is just referred to as the Wanderer, because she has a weird planeswalker spark, where instead of needing to focus to planeswalk, she needs to focus to not planeswalk. So if she shows up on a plane, her spark is super energized, and if she doesn't try and suppress her planeswalking, she'll get whisked away to another plane. So she's just kind of been traveling around the multiverse willy-nilly, not entirely sure how to stop. She is uh, 
very quiet, very reserved. She is the the wandering ronin, um, wandering cowboy type archetype. And uh, her sword can redirect kinetic energy. So you come at her hard, she hits back harder, which plays into her ability of being able to like deflect non-combat damage away from your, your creatures. And then being able to destroy big things, because, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I love her so much as a character, and I cannot wait to get to see more of her in Magic's future, because I would love that. I love the Yojimbo, the man with no name trope, so I'm very excited to see more of the Wanderer as well. It's so cool, and I think Lorelai have that in common, that that's a, a, a very... It's just a very cool film trope, and it's 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 going to be a lot of fun to see that. Yep, um, especially because they play with it because she's so high fashion, and like that's not what you see in either westerns or samurai movies. You see, you know, um, Clint Eastwood and Toshiro Mifune are like disheveled, poor, graggly fellows, but she's like super classy, but still super badass. It's awesome. She's so good. Then we've got uh, Jiang Yangu, Wildcrafter. So this version of Yangu is independent of Mowu, who also got a legendary creature card as Mowu, Loyal Companion. I like that they work together nicely, but I think it's very interesting that Mowu has a legendary creature card independent of Yangu. Like, I would not have expected them to go this route, but... It kind of speaks to the fact that Mowu is, in fact, an independent entity from Yangu. A lot of people suspected that, like, Mowu was like a projection or something. So, you know, I hope we learn more about the metaphysics of how exactly this works. I noted way back when they first appear that Yangu's staff and Mowu's collar both have a similar jade totem attached to it. I bet that has something to do with how Yangu is able to planeswalk around the multiverse with Mowu. Do you think there's going to be a heart-shattering scene in the novel where one of their little pendants gets smashed? Don't, don't. And they're stranded on Ravnica forever? No. No? No? No, please don't do this. (laughs) No. What's funny is, like, I think one of the theories for Yangu is that Mowu was actually the planeswalker and Yangu was the one following him around. <laughs> it was like a projection. So I would love that, actually. This this kind of kills it, unfortunately, but that was a cute one. It kills it, absolutely, because Mowu is the creature and Yangu is the planeswalker. Ur- Urza was also a creature, Lorelai. I very quickly wanted to give a shout out to Soren's card. Soren Vengeful Bloodlord. Art is by Tommy Arnold, and it is the best Soren art in the entire game. He has been the stoic Euro Trash Edgelord for <laughs> almost ten years now. But this this is the piece that reminds us that he's a goddamn vampire. And he has a goddamn sword. And he is goddamn bitter about pretty much everything in his life. And it's it, it's fun to just see him totally unleashed and bloody and angry and rageful like this. Because he's he's built this personal brand as a character in the universe that he's kind of collected and cool and reasonable and rational and cares about balance. But he's really just so petty. And this is petty Sorenard, and I love seeing it. It's pretty great. I, I love it. Regardless of where you stand on the great discourse, the artwork is fantastic for this whole thing. So we also have Angrath, Captain of Chaos. Murder Dad is back, and he is not happy. We see him in his signature spell, Angrath's Rampage, which I'm glad it didn't turn out to be Angrath's Wrath, which is one of the uh, initial translations. And I'm like, please no. But his flavor text is is perfect. It captures how he feels about being here. Grand City? No. This is nothing but another squalid cage. Like, not very many people got trapped by the Immortal Sun twice, 
but he's definitely not handling it as well as Jace is. <laughs> it's like, I just got back to my daughter's like a month ago. Are you kidding me? What's really weird for me is that he, his planeswalker has the amassability yeah. mechanic, which is the eternal army mechanic. And, and we can see some eternals in his art too. Um, so my assumption is that he is using his threaten magic he had it on his card from Ixalan where he can gain control of other creatures and sway them into his fleet um, when he was a pirate, but now they're armies. So it seems like he is finding stray Eternals and warping their minds to follow him as a little army of rampaging destruction because he pissed. Remember that Angrath is also in the colors of the Eternals for this set, so it makes sense that mechanically he might have something to do with it. Yeah, I think that's an unfortunate side effect of just being a otherwise neutral party or good guy in the blue-red or red-blue or black-blue colors is you just kind of get lumped into all the mechanical space that is already dedicated to the Eternals and you kind of have to feed into that. So, unfortunate, but hopefully he's not turning sides (laughs) just to get out of here. All right, let's move on to everything else. So the first thing I wanted to mention was a Johnny's Pride Mate. There are a couple cards like this that are reprints that don't really belong on Ravnica, but they're flavoring them for Ravnica. A Johnny's Pride Mate is interesting because it, it the flavor text explicitly references creature summons as creating copies of a creature. So I don't think that's been mentioned in a long time. So that was that was pretty interesting. Hashtag metaphysics are awesome. It's been a while. <laughs> I think we talked about this in some previous episode at length, so we'll we'll double check. The Pax Unplugged basic lands that they revealed are also incredibly awesome. It's like this five-panel long piece of artwork with Bolus's Citadel in the middle, the Elder Spell and all these sparks flying towards him. In one of the pieces of art, you see New Prov with the uh, Immortal Sun activated. Uh, in the mountain, you see just Ravnica on fire from the war. Uh, in the plains, oh, it's, you don't see very much in the plains. On the forest, you see a very large thing that um certainly going to be interesting to find out what that is. Vitukazi comes. Yeah, Jay, you're not hiding it very, very well. <laughs> I think well, people counted up 20-something sparks across the year, and it's concerning for a set with only 36 Planeswalkers that they might um, kill off a solid two-thirds of the roster, plus or minus any kind of bonus Planeswalkers from the story exclusively. No, they just kill a bunch of civilians who happen to have sparks, and they didn't know it. They hadn't had a chance. Sucks to suck. So, at this point, we should at least maybe explain a little bit about the Elder Spell, what was revealed in the panel on Sunday. Well, the, there's going to be an actual Elder Spell spell that maybe we yeah. talk about next week. No, but, like, it was mentioned in the panel. So all like, right, go ahead. Um, so, so Bolas, basically all that Doug said at the panel was that um, the Elder Spell is this spell, obviously, that Bolas learned that will help make him an immortal god and it's going to require planeswalker sparks so that's why we see all these sparks flying around in a bunch of different pieces of art that is like the final puzzle piece of his plan which we get to learn this set so now y'all know if you haven't seen the trailer we see an eternal pretty explicitly grab out deck fade and spark and then Pop, I guess, is the formal way to put it. Boop! Like a mosquito. And the spark goes flying into into the air towards Bolas, and that is the assuming spark-stealing mechanism for the whole set would be that's why the Eternals are here, is so that they can kill Planeswalkers, take the sparks, send them to Bolas, fuel the Elder spell. So the next card we want to talk about is Fibblethip the Lost. Fibblethip is finally a card. He appears in artwork across Ravnica, uh, across Return to Ravnica and the newer sets. So I think he's been in like six pieces of art at this point. 
Uh, one thing I do want to note is that it's unfortunate that his art for his legendary card isn't consistent with his art in every other appearance. Like, his shading is off, he has a bit more of a neck than he probably should, but otherwise it's really cool to get him as a uh, as a card. Yeah, it's great art. Uh, yes, Rising, like, it's a phenomenal artist, it's a good piece, but it's not Fibblethip, and I don't like that. If Fibblethip, if they were just going to change his design, I think it would have been one thing, because he appears again in a different card here and looks like he has in every other appearance. So it's a little weird that his legendary card doesn't look like every other appearance, which he is consistent. He showed up in um, March of the Multitudes in Guilds of Ravnica and then Captive Audience last set in Ravnica Allegiance and shows up again in the reprint of Totally Lost where he's stuck on top of the Bolas statue. And <laughs> and it's all still the consistent little green guy with no neck. And this is, I, I, I don't know what happened with this. How did this happen? Yeah, Jay, how'd this happen? Jay, you painted the piece. Shush. When you sell, like, plushes of a character like this, too, that are even consistent, it is weird that the art direction didn't go come back and say, let's let's get this a little more consistent. But it is what it is. Well, there there should have been photo references. There's lots of art of him. So I, 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 I have no idea what broke down in the process, but... You're sure that it's Jay's fault? So to be clear to everybody, because I noticed uh, even online today, they're they're all joking, but online today, uh, some people were asking me, and I don't have anything to do with the card sets. My <laughs> role, my role as continuity editor, is for like the the text for the fiction itself, not for the card sets. Actually, I'm pretty sure you're personally responsible for every single card. Well, if your favorite character dies in this story, I will say it's because I had them killed. Yes! I will say, good job on the Mythic Invitational, Jay. You really (laughs) knocked it out of the park. (laughs) Speaking of things I don't like, each Planeswalker in this set has at least one signature spell that has their name in it. So, uh, Ob's card was previewed earlier, and you know, that's cool, I love Ob. So his signature spell is Obnixilus's Cruelty, and it's a kill spell. It's a really good. It's a really good card. Um, but the flavor text reads: Trapped on Ravnica with no affection for either side, Obnixilus sought gratification in random acts of torment, and the art is him killing a dove. And I hate this so much because that's not at all Ob's character. He is not the wanton destruction. He is not random acts of torment like that that's tybalt i'm sorry but but they are different characters and they do different things and they have different motivations and different modes of operation this just isn't ob and i don't like it ob is reserved and tactical and he does like enjoy tormenting people but only when he specifically has a reason for it only when there is a strategic advantage for him he's not the I'm angry and pouty and go kill birds type person. That's Angrath. That's Tybalt. Like, I hate this so much. There you go. Go off. Um, Next up, we have Dovin's Veto, which is a very, very snarky flavor text from Dovin. Kind of pushing him further into the villainous side. Um, He is remarking, I see you've learned nothing, Chandra. You'd still put a match to something rather than understand it. I don't think there's much understanding to this one, buddy. It's kind of a war for the multiverse and a whole bunch of Planeswalker lives. I don't know what Dovin's playing at. I don't know what he's promised versus what he believes Bolas is actually offering him. Because it's the active destruction of a city he's supposed to be bringing order to. But... I guess we'll see in the story. I'm just interested to see Dovin back and kind of excited that he has more interactions with Chandra since he's kind of set up as a clean foil to her as of the Kaladesh stories, even origin or the Kalad- even the start of the Kaladesh story. The next card is Giant Growth, and I'm just pointing out that uh 
Yang's ability to control Mowu's shape is, or I shouldn't say shape, but at least his size is, makes me super happy. And it, this is also a kind of a throw. I'm also wanting to look at Mowu's card specifically in that I don't know if it's art consistency or just because he's able to increase his strength in different ways, but his individual card looks ripped for a dog. Like, it, and it, it makes me laugh and make, it just makes me imagine that Yangu's apparent ability to shift Mowu's size and strength is super funny to me. And it's a really cool skill set for Planeswalker. Yeah, it's nice to have like a giant growth Planeswalker that specializes in that kind of magic. I think early on, Garuk kind of got lumped into anything that green could do around the m10 era and it's nice to see that divvied up to be like garuk being more as of his last incarnations kind of beast focused and killing planeswalker focused and then some stuff like ramp and giant growth effects being divvied up into yeah like yangu is able to increase the size and vivians finding creatures and this is doing things with forests so the next cards are Ward Scale Crocodile, which the flavor text reads, The Eternals had to endure Amonkhet's five trials. Let's see if they can pass the trial of Ravnica. And also Primordial Worm, who reads, Elite training, single-minded devotion, and Lazotep coding help only so much for invaders who are fundamentally bite-sized. Pointing out the flavor text on these cards. It's a reminder that this is Ravnica, where you uh, walk down the street and a living building stomps on you and you die. So, like, all of Bolas's scheming is really only so much of a match for, like, one of the, like, worst places to live in the multiverse. Because he comes. Kind of related to that is next up Bolas's Citadel. It is his cool little platform that he seems to have imported through the portal to Ravnica, but it has an interesting ability on it in its final effect, which is to sacrifice 10 permanents, and you just kind of get to win a... Well, you sacrifice 10 non-land permanents, and each opponent loses 10 life. He's bringing a war of attrition to Ravnica. He has a near-endless horde of... or dread horde, as it were of Eternals, he just gets to kind of roll over anybody and everybody he possibly can and doesn't have to worry about any kind of resource management, who he's throwing at what. It's just raise the plane, take all the planeswalker sparks, be done with it. And it's also just a good card, like, very. I want to get full art for this or potentially other shots of the Citadel itself and other art. Um, one of the neat things it does, and a bunch of cards in this set do, because Bolas is invading from Amonkhet, is blend Amonkhet and Ravnikin architecture together. You can see this on some of the basic lands in the card art gallery on the Mothership right now. But um, uh, there's some closer up images of the Citadel where you can see, so it has that flat pyramid shape from Amonkhet, but then along the front face, you can see a bunch of cathedral windows like in their high gothic style um, there's also some obelisks um, on the mountain the ones that look like rocket ships you can see the base has those gothic archways and there's a section of them near the top that is the sandstone from Amonkhet but the rest of the obelisks, obelisk is built from the oxidized copper that you see on Ravnica. So there's there's lots of crossover things with architecture going on in the set. So I want everyone to look very closely at the backgrounds of the buildings in art and see how much of that you can pick up because it looks awesome. This is the closest we can get to a planar overlay in modern day, and I'm excited. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we, we haven't been able, like, they just have not told stories that have been able to do something like this, and it's very cool. What else is very cool is on Wanderer's Strike, which is obviously the Wanderer's signature spell. She is running along the wall of a building, having just sliced the head 
off of an eternalized demon from Amonkhet. So if you remember Archfiend Vifner, the phenomenally creepy piece, those demons have been turned into Eternals also. And the where she's cutting off its head on the neck is very similar to where a demon got its neck cut on the card Cut to Ribbons back in Amonkhet. So my hand headcanon and what I want to believe is that this is the exact same demon that got killed on Amonkhet, eternalized, brought to Ravnica, and then got its head cut off again. So, like, I, I imagine the Wanderer going by and going, and its head falling off, and its last little demonic voice going, Oh no, not again! <laughs> <laughs> so, the next card is Gaius... <laughs> not Gaius. <laughs> we can tell I'm a green player. The next card is Kaya's Ghost Form. This card, the flavor text is hilarious to me. It's also very interesting because I, I super love metaphysics. So the flavor text says, The Eternals found some sparks to be quite slippery. And on the card art, it shows her zipping through Eternals as they're chasing her. And, like, <laughs> I find this card super hilarious because... They're they're actively trying to steal people's sparks, but she's just like, nah, man, I'm 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 good with this, and I'm you can't have it, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks like she's smiling on this art. It just I love this flavor, the flavor text and the art put together, and it just makes me super happy. And the mechanics of her her ghost form, like the card mechanics combined with the art of the flavor text, just chef kiss. Yeah, Kaya is so fun. I love her a lot. She is a really sweet character. So my favorite card previewed this week. Let me just start by sharing some words of wisdom. After the people flee, but before the enemy arrives. That's grabbing time. <laughs> Krenko is back <laughs> with Tin Street Kingpin. Oh, I'm so happy. So he first of all he's gotten a little chunky in illegal boros custody he was never charged and he was apprehended by a vigilante <sighs> named gideon Dra. but anyway first of all everyone who killed him in guildmaster's guide to ravnica you are not allowed to play with his card if i find out you <laughs> killed him or your playgroup killed him i'm taking your version and i'm ripping it so krenko is amazing uh, I'm not going to get too much into his card, but he works really well in a Krenko deck, or and I think he'll be really fun to build around. But in his art, he's lost his crown, but he's still got his signature tunic on, and he's got uh, shoulder pads and armor like Krenko's Enforcer does. So it kind of combines a couple different art notes here. And at first I was like, well, it looks more like Krenko's Enforcer, but the red tunic, I think, is a nice touch from the original version. And he's just safeguarding Ravnica's valuables against the Eternal Invasion. I don't know why, you know, people think he's a bad guy. I think that's a noble goal. The goblin in the back showering himself with jewels is perhaps my favorite. <laughs> oh, man. So the next card is Eternal Taskmaster. This card uh, shows an Eternal with chains strapped to a whole bunch of other Eternals who appear to be slightly broken up or... like They're, they're, they're on the ground. And it's just dragging them, it looks like, anyway. And the flavor text reads, They are called Eternals. They will never stop. Jay Spellerin. And this... Like... This is not something that we ever gave much credit to because, hey, on Amaket, we just assumed that once they went down, they went down. But mechanics on this card plus the flavor text and the art makes it very apparent that, or make it, makes it very clear that just knocking these things down or maybe even breaking them apart to a certain extent doesn't really kill them outright. There might be a little bit more required to get rid of them, which leads to our next card. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> because Neheb, Dreadhorde Champion, is here. And a lot of people, when Neheb's card was previewed, were like, hey, 
didn't he die an hour of devastation? And you're right, you can go back and read the passage. Samut runs him through with some knives, cuts him up in the neck and back till he stops twitching. And here he is, on fire, battle damaged, still marching, still awesome, still powerful. Because he's the Gat Dang Terminator. And like, that's so cool. They're called Eternals for a reason. Jace is correct. And I just love that he's back. And we, we've now, uh, uh, Jay mentioned this when his card was previewed. He now joins Tesa, Avacyn, Niv-Mizzet, and Rakdos. That's right. As the only legendary creatures in Magic history to get at least three cards, unique cards printed within one timeline. Because there's some there's some cards that would count if you count alternate reality versions from Planar Chaos. Planar Chaos and uh, the other exception would be Jessica, Phage, and Corona. But technically Corona isn't just Phage. Correct. Um, so, like, it, it's weird, though, too, because, like, you look at Avacyn and Rakdos and Tesa and... Uh, who's the other one again? And uh, Niv-Mizzet. And you're looking at, like, some of the most popular characters that are not Planeswalkers from the last 10 years of Magic. And it's weird that, like, Neheb in a year and a half gets to join them. But I'm super happy to see this card back because, like, the Terminator trope is a thing and it's really cool to see him get to fill that. And just flavorfully continuing this line through all three it really is, is, is pretty resonant with the three uh, sets that he's in. So, like, Amonkhet, you know, he was tricked, he got turned into an Eternal... He got destroyed, and now he's back for this final invasion. Giving it that through line from the Eternal side is interesting. I think Neheb's only, like, I mean, been an Eternal for a few months. And there have been, assumingly, Eternals or um, embalmed creatures that have been around for about 40 years. Since the invasion was 60 years ago, and then they had about 20 years to grow up as they were only babies and actually get eternalized or embalmed. But something that's even more eternal than that is the saltiness that exists between Soren and Nahiri over <laughs> was a, a slight misunderstanding. <laughs> For quite a while now, um, a thousand years, they have been pretty upset with each other, and Soren had trapped Nahiri in the Hell Vault. Um, Nahiri had broken out, trapped Soren in a wall. Now they are both free, and I was so excited because I saw this card before any other, any other preview card, including these two characters, and I was like, cool, it's the three jailers together. It is Soren and Nahiri. For some reason, battling on Ugin's wing, it just turns out that's the Bola statue that I would <laughs> learn about later, just happens to be colored very similarly to Ugin. So I was excited to see the three jailers on a card for the first time, but now they're just kind of exchanging Pythi blows across Ravnica and being very, very upset with each other. And I genuinely kind of hope one of them dies to kind of end it here so they're not distracting from the true conflict, but at the same time, <laughs> I will be entertained. Honestly, I hope they both die. And what's the flavor text? Oh, the flavor text is, I see you're out of the wall. <laughs> it is credited to Nahiri. Chef kiss. Oh, man. Love that flavor text. And then the next card also has them duking it out on Ravnica single combat, which the flavor text reads, not even a threat to the entire multiverse could persuade them to put aside their feud. Because with the two of them, it doesn't matter what is going on, it is on site. Probably even more now that Soren's been in the wall. Gary pretty much covered it, but their feud is just, it's very hilarious. I love the idea that they're just completely ignoring what's going on, because they've got something more important to do, which is slap each other. And I feel like it breaks the the barrier of the card and reality, because when this card was previewed, it just reignited that spark of oh my discourse gosh. between everybody. The next card is Time Wipe, and... If this card is in Vintage Teferi, I don't know what it is. Because in the art, you have Teferi. It looks like he's doing some kind of magical spell that's blasting Eternals 
away from him, but it's also causing them to like spiral and evaporate. Like there's black dust coming out of them. And it looks like they're dissolving. But the flavor text is what makes the card. To comprehend the full answer requires years of a temporal study. In short, they were now never born in the first place. To fairy. And, like, it makes you realize that this guy is basically rewinding time so that these Eternals never existed. And, like, the, the pithy response, or the pithy comment about it requiring years of temporal study and just basically rewinding these guys out of existence is something that I, I'll always love to fairies, one-liners, and the way he handles situations, even if they look insanely dire. So the one and only, well, the two and only appearance of weirds in this, not a block, but three sets all set on Ravnica are Spellkeeper Weird and Spellgorger Weird. One is a giant frosty ice man. The other is a flaming flame dude i don't know it's just a ball of fire this is interesting because there were a lot of complaints around guilds of ravnica that there were no weirds uh i had mentioned it was weird of these two because usually weirds are opposing elements you know it's like rock and wind or fire and water or ice and electricity but in this in this one, it, it wasn't really the case. It seemed like they were kind of bonded. Lorelai joked with me that the, the, the second element for both of them was the power of friendship. And then Doug Byer chimed in to basically say the same thing. So Doug mentioned, yeah, it was this. Two single element weirds and a pair bond or no weirds. Weirds are very specific in both mechanics, usually blue-red and mana cost. And visuals, two elements fused together, very challenging for artists to make look cool. These two were the solution. Which, fair. If you've got them pair bonded, I can, I can sort of see that working. Also, I love the power of friendship angle. Speaking of friendship, the last card that we're going to talk about today is Tulsmere Friend to Wolves. And this art, this art is just, it is everything. It, it's. Ah, oh, man, this art looks amazing, and it just needs to be mentioned because, like, the detail on the elf and on Voya, and it, it just makes me insanely happy. Like, the way that the, the sword is cleaving through the jawlines of two of the Eternals, and, like I said, the detail on both of the figures on top of the Eternals is just magnificent, and... Whatever Ryan Pankos gets for this art, like, it it was the first time in a long time that I've ever considered just taking money out of my IRA to just, like, throw money at somebody because, <laughs> like, I legitimately pulled up my IRA and was looking at, like, wonder how much it's going to sell for an auction. Like, it, it's, oh my. It's going to be good. Oh my god. Imagine painting something that is comparable or perhaps even better than a Donnie Cola. Like, following up Tulsimir is a big task, and Ryan nailed it. Yeah, it's it's really nice, and he did a great job. So I will definitely be getting a print of this, wishing I could get the actual oil painting, because the oil painting is actually pretty big. It's two feet by three feet, so like the shipping on it is $100 alone flat. But it's... I really wish I could get this card, or the art for this card, because it looks really nice. Yeah, Ryan posted a picture of it with uh, him holding his daughter, and the painting is bigger than his child. thought he took the picture of him holding his dog. Uh, that was a different painting. Oh, that was the Arlen, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yes, for the wolves. We should link to his tweet where he talks about the art auction, because he has a video on it with a um, little maquette he made of an Eternal that also includes the back of some sword figure mannequin and also his little chihuahua gnawing on the Eternal at the end. It is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to final thoughts. 
My final thought is I am super happy with this Krenko card. Like, frequently 2.0s sometimes miss the point, and I wasn't sure what to think, but the more I'm thinking about this Krenko, the more I like it. Like, flavorfully, it is so perfect, true to Krenko's original card without being as broken. Uh, This card might be meaner in certain builds, but... Uh, I definitely can't wait to slot him into Krenko 1.0, and that's not something I often get to say or do. Lorelai? I'm just happy to finally be able to talk about the Wanderer because she's the best. I want to do like a, a Walker Texas Wanderer joke, but I, I don't have it. <laughs> I think that's the joke. Brian? See, I had a final thought, but then Davriel Kane stole it out of my head, so sorry guys. My final thought is this set has so many good boys. I just love it. I love dogs and little animals, but mostly dogs. My final thought is that I think Bolas could have saved a lot of time just by eating the immortal sun. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have to kill people. He didn't have to do this whole invasion thing. I mean, rocks with sparks in them. It's not too late. It's not too late. He could crunch it, too. <laughs> That's the secret Xanatos gambit, is that if everything else fails, he just eats the rock. Oh, snap. Remember, we determined that Teferi's Power Stone Spark was a living being because it had a soul, because a spark is a piece of a soul. If Azor, Azor's spark is in the Immortal Sun, is the Immortal Sun a living creature? I mean, with March of the Machines out, it is. Yes. <laughs> Well, if you want to know if we should consider the Immortal Sun a sapient individual, you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast because everyone who supports our show gets access to our exclusive podcast Discord server where people are probably going to be discussing this all weekend, all week, maybe for the rest of their lives because who can really tell if rocks with sparks are people? Karn says yes. We cannot run this show without the support of our listeners out there. Both the great word of mouth you give to others, especially in this spoiler season where I've seen a lot of people recommend us to people who are looking for information about the story. We super appreciate that. We we love every single one of you who supports us on Patreon because you are the people that are financially keeping this show afloat and keeping it running so that we can produce it every week. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.